All right, welcome to League City Live. I'm Erin Webb, your Communications and Media Director for the League City Regional Chamber of Commerce. And with me today are two incredible gentlemen. We've got David Hoover, the Director of Planning, and Scott Livingston, the Director of Economic Development from the City of League City. Welcome, gentlemen. Well, thank you. Happy thank you. to be here. So yeah. glad to have you on today. So we've got a lot to talk about today. Um, just some quick things that I read up on the city um, that, that I think... I think League City is an incredible city to live in, work in, play in, everything. We all, I think, have a share of love for League City. But some, some top things that I see popping up are it's the second fastest growing city in America, the third largest boating anchorage in the U.S., seventh best small city for families in America, tenth safest largest, large city in Texas, eighth best place to live in Texas. And the list goes on and on. Did I forget anything major? <laughs> oh, that sounds great. Yeah, that's a good summary. That's a good summary. That's All it. right. Boom. All right. So we've got some great topics to cover today and a little later in the show, hoping that you can fill our listeners in on some new businesses coming to League City. But first, I'd like the, the listeners to get to know you guys. So Scott, tell us about yourself, your background and how you ended up in League City. Okay. So I'm a director of economic development, been in economic development for about 20 years. And so I've been in several communities. I've also worked overseas in India doing business development for about six years. And so before I came to League City about two years ago, I was the economic development coordinator in LaPorte, Texas. Mm -hmm. I was there for three and a half years. So again, I've been in various communities here in the United States, but I've also worked overseas doing business development and community development. But I'm excited to be in League City. Um, it was an opportunity that came out about two years ago, which is really hard to pass up. And basically, if I could summarize it this way, in terms of the attraction to League City, I've heard it said by Dan Seal, the Bay Area-Houston Economic Partnership, mm -hmm. that League City is the intersection of, 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 of opportunity, and we're in the wave of predictable growth. And so for an economic developer, that poses a very attractive opportunity. Excellent. And so what exactly does an economic development director do? What are, what are, what are your responsibilities? So it is to diversify and increase the tax base, improve the quality of life of the citizens, and increase the amount of tax revenue that the city has for services. And so the idea with economic development is you're trying to bring in commercial tax base that directly or indirectly mitigates or decreases the tax burden on uh, the residential homeowners. I like that. All right, David, same question. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you ended up in League City, and what exactly does a director of planning do? Well, I actually grew up in Galveston, and so I've been familiar with League City for quite some time. won't tell you how many years. <laughs> but I spent about 20 years of my professional career in the public sector, working for various cities around the state of Texas. And I spent about 20 years in the private sector, both in and out of Texas, working in the, the development world. And so I have kind of a unique perspective on, on both sides of the fence, if you will, what goes on when you're developing, trying to get things done, and what goes on in cities when you're, you're watching things get done. Um, I wound up in League City kind of ironically because I um, have familiarity with some of the people that, that actually work in League City. I had 
been out of the city business for about 10 years, and the opportunity came along to, to get back into it. And League City is, and as Scott mentioned, it's just it's in the right place, and there's so many great things going on, so much opportunity. It just seemed like a, um, something that, that would be fun to do. And, and watching cities grow and, and helping be a part of that process is something that both people in the economic development world and people in the planning world like to get behind and, and help. I see. As far as what planning actually does, planning development, what does the director of planning development do? The divisions that I am over are planning, building, neighborhood services, and geographical information systems, GIS, as it's referred to. Building departments, pretty obvious. I mean, you need a permit to build something, then you go to the building department and you get your permit. It's where all the inspectors are that come out and make sure it's done properly. Neighborhood services, also referred to as code enforcement. Um, sometimes those are not the people you want to see when they're coming to gently <laughs> remind you that perhaps you need to get your grass cut or clean up something that needs to be cleaned up. But they're also there to help people with, with problems and, and special circumstances that, that need to be dealt with. GIS are the mapping people. The ones you go on the websites or you see a lot of the information that the city puts out that have to do with maps, uh, whether they're zoning maps or, or any other type of, of aerial photographs, what have you, that's what, what those folks do. And then the, the planning division um, is, a, is a little bit more broad-based in that they go over um, with people when you come in, this is what I want to do, where can I do it? You know, I want to open up a restaurant or I want to open up an insurance agency or a nail salon or whatever it is that you happen to, to want to do. Zoning dictates where you can do that in the city and then there are also regulations that take place what size it can be how far from the property line setbacks and and so forth and then there's also the the planning the zoning ordinances they're um, called corridor plans or the historic districts or any of those types of specialty things that that um, are in place at the city it's planning that that tells you what you have to do and how to get along, as well as um, landscaping, tree ordinances, all of those things fit within that area. So planning and development basically covers the development process of the city. That's a lot. Quite a bit. All right. Quite well, a bit. thank you, gentlemen, for sharing that. I know some people, I know at the chamber we get a lot of calls and who should I call for, you know, for this, for the city and that for the city. So. That helps us too. <laughs> mm -hmm. So thank you, um, Scott. I know you served on the League City Regional Chamber of Commerce's Master Plan Task Force. Can you talk about that work and the resulting white paper? Sure. And in fact, uh, you mentioned the fact that there was a resulting white paper, and um, people may want to get a copy of that thing. Contact the Chamber of Commerce. The document's actually about ten pages long. Let me just read a summary. Sure. So in order to accomplish its vision and mission, the task force identified ways in which the city may, there are four things, revise the comprehensive plan, zoning ordinances, and development regulations to facilitate the adoption of policies and ordinances that will enhance the city's ability to restrict future development and ensure the highest and best uses of undeveloped land that will generate tax revenue for the community's present and future needs. That's the first thing. Second thing, 
is provide utilities and infrastructure needed to facilitate the city's growth. Third thing is expand the business tax base and create a sustainable tax base that does not substantially depend upon the residential tax base to support the city's current and future needs. And then number four, support public policy and development standards that will enhance the ability of existing and future development to be more sustainable and resilient to withstand future disasters. So that's a summary for the white paper. Wow. Y'all did a lot of work on that. It was over a year of discussions. So before this came into place, any business could come and, and or any type of business could come and, and build or, or open anywhere in the city. Now with the, with the zoning, it's going to be more structured. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Well, zoning hasn't been in place in League City since League City's been in place. It, it, it's relatively new. The concept of zoning is not. It, it's been all over. The city of Houston, for instance, does not have zoning. There's always a lot of comparisons between Houston and Dallas, and you know, Dallas has zoning, and so therefore it's grown differently, and Houston doesn't, so therefore it's all bad. Really, that's not true. They're just different. And the more they're different, the more they're the same. And there's different types of restrictions that can be used. If it's not zoning, it's more deed restrictions. It puts more responsibilities and obligations on the private sector as opposed to the public sector. But the idea of zoning's been around for a long time. The thought process behind um, the project that Scott was talking about through the chamber was really how to enhance and guide and, and focus the development as far as the community is concerned. It, it, it didn't really look so much at zoning good, bad, or indifferent. It looked at how could the zoning regulations be utilized to help direct what League City could be or could not be, depending upon the, the perception of, of the, you know, what the people want, so to speak, um, how that could, could direct the, the future growth. Okay. it's a lot. I like it. I just, okay, let's see. The, here's some things that League City is currently challenged with. Um, one, water. What are we, what's going on there? Obviously, water is an issue, and not just in this area, but all over. More people, more water. Um, in different types of activities, use more water. Water your grass, water your gardens, um, especially this time of the year with the heat that we've uh, yeah. had. <laughs> people have been going through water quite rapidly, and so... With the growth of the city, one of the things that has to occur is we've got to secure the ability to get more water because if there's no more water, that's going to obviously have a very ne negative impact on the ability of the, the city to grow. And the city manager, John Bumgardner, has been working closely uh, with trying to secure more water for the future. Uh, we feel pretty good that that, that has has. It, taken well the conversations have definitely taken place and and we believe that the allotment has been secured but now there's going to have to be some funding at some point that's going to increase the capacity of the plants that are going to get the water treated and get it to us and that's something that's still in in process right now but we feel pretty good about the fact that we've secured the sheer volume of the water that will be able to get us through into the future. Wonderful. 
Thank you, David. Uh, Scott, and then can you tell me a little bit about the new economic development model? Okay, so some talk about the economic development investment policy, and so it's built upon a model, a numbers model, if you will. And so it's on our website. Um, people can also contact me, and I'll email it to them and so forth. But the model basically has thresholds for investment. So, for example, some people talk about it as being the investment box. So, for example, there are minimum thresholds of investment for any prospective project. They have to qualify in four, five, or six different categories in terms of uh, number of jobs that they're providing. They have to meet the policies. They have to make sure that the funds that they're requesting from the city fit within the returns required by the model and make sure that those funds are spent on eligible expenditures, which are outlined in the model. So we spent a long time, over a year, putting this model together. But again, it's like a box. You know, do deals fit in the box? If they fit in the box, it means they fit all the requirements and give us a good guarantee of the city a good rate of return. If they're outside the box, then that means there's something we're not going to, not going to pursue. Certainly not to offer a, a public investment or some people call an incentive. Very, very nice. And, and again, the whole reason we're doing that is because it's a very competitive environment with respect to economic development. So in League City, I think the idea has always been let's create an environment where our citizens want to be and also where businesses want to be. And then that in itself is an inducement, if you will, for quality primary employers and commercial businesses to come to the community. But again, be that as it may, you've always got infrastructure issues. And then sometimes we say it's the cherry on top. It's the, it's the golden handshake. Businesses like to know that you love them and want them, and so by helping to facilitate the development process in the city, it can, it can help with um, attracting high-quality commercial investment to the community. So that's why we have the policy. Well, speaking of high-quality investment to the community, I know we went out to try to get Amazon headquarters recently. What, what, what happened there? What was some of the factors why League City was not? So just in summary, uh, there were factors, like you said, that were outlined, and the governor's office broke it down by region, and at the regional level, the Greater Houston Partnership was in charge of orchestrating the response from the whole region. And that's important to understand, because what happened is we put forth a, um, a property in Leak City. We know it didn't meet all the criteria, and one of the criteria that was required is access to public transit, mm. like a light rail. Well, obviously, we don't have public transit in Leak City, but with a project of this magnitude, we were thinking, well, you know, you could always build it. So we went ahead and submitted our request. Anyways, I'm not sure how many properties were submitted, let's say 15. But I understand that the Greater Houston Partnership looked at all those and then chose two or three and then forwarded those. And those are the two or three that Amazon did not consider. So Houston as a region was, is, is not on the final list of 20. Other regions like Dallas-Fort Worth the Dallas Regional Chamber that coordinated their response basically gave 15 proposed sites to Amazon and said, we're not going to filter them, you guys filter them. And that's just a different philosophy in the way the two regions work. Nice. Thank you so much, gentlemen. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll hear more from David and Scott from the City of League City on League City Live. 
All right, welcome back to League City Live. And with me still are Mr. David Hoover and Scott Livingston from the city of League City. Um, we are just going to get right back into it. We're talking all things economic development, planning, and just how wonderful the city of League City is to live and work in. Speaking of living in League City, David, um, some challenges I, I know that you face in your job. I hear there's going to be another 1,000 homes CO'd this year in League City. What challenges does, does that bring to your department? Um, CO'd, as you refer to, is a certificate of occupancy, and that's what structures have to have at some point, be it residential or commercial, before they can actually be occupied. Make sure that all the inspections have been done and all the, the safety issues and you know, waterworks, sewer works, electric, all those sorts of things. Uh, the city has been growing along over the last six, seven, eight years. Um, pretty consistently hitting eight to, to 900 new homes each year, mm -hmm. along with um, the, the support businesses that have come to play. And obviously all those things put pressure in all areas of the city. It isn't so much just the, the building department that, that has to deal with inspections as the construction's going on, but it's you know, more users as far as water and sewer is concerned. There's more people to have their trash picked up. There's more people on the roads as you're driving around. There's uh, more needs for police and fire. The people at City Hall from uh, people that work in the finance office to people that work in parks and recreation. I mean, if you think about it, uh, you know, more people puts more demands on virtually all the services that, that people want. Um, Flip side, growth is obviously good for the community. It brings more opportunities. It, it brings the likelihood that there will be more of different styles of development, different types of development, meaning hopefully office and uh, more high-end retail than, than what we currently have. And that's, you know, rooftops are typically what, what brings those other activities. And so even though it does put demand on the system, it's, you know, why we're all here is to supply the services to the residents, and then also that that demand will increase, um, hopefully, the likelihood that the other um, types of development will come along. So it's it's a good thing. It's a double-edged sword. You know, it's got its its um, rewards and its opportunities. <laughs> well, speaking of new development, Scott, there's been a lot of discussion regarding the need to bring in more commercial businesses to diversify our tax base. Can you explain why that is so important? Okay, so I know a lot of the residents would like to lower their property taxes. <clears throat> Excuse me, so in many communities, what often happens is you have a lot of commercial growth that offsets the, the rate of the residential growth. And so the reason that happens is that based upon some national studies, and again, I'm gonna start to generalize here, basically for every dollar of tax revenue that a community receives from residential, it costs about a dollar and 20 cents to service that residential, police, fire, EMS, animal shelter, library, parks, and so forth. For commercial, for every dollar of tax revenue that you receive, it costs about 45 cents for in, in, in service. And so the idea is you need the commercial to support, complement, round out the, the residential development. And, and as David was saying, you, you need the residential to bring in the, the high-end retail and so forth. And 
if you have a primary employer or a high-quality employer, they're going to want to hire people that preferably live locally so they don't have to drive a long distance. So anyways, the idea is if you have the commercial tax base, especially if it's high value, it can help to support, complement the residential tax base. And then when we start talking about high value, when we start talking about, for example, in League City, the break-even point for the city's cost of service, services, you need a home of about $220,000. And that's not counting all the infrastructure, that's just the city's cost of services, the operations. The average home being built in League City these days is about 310000 I think that number is easily higher than that, but when we did the analysis about a year ago, it's about 310000 You can put about four and a half homes per acre. That means that the break-even point per acre, just on tax base, is about a million dollars. The homes that are coming in, if you put four and a half homes per acre, it's about one and a half million. So in other words, that's how we're kind of staying ahead because the homes are of uh, significantly more value than the break-even point. But here's the point. If we bring in commercial, which is more robust and powerful value-wise per acre than residential, then all of a sudden you can see the way that if we get enough critical mass of that commercial, so for example, instead of it being a million and a half per acre, if commercial comes in at three million an acre, you're getting double the bang for your buck. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, they generate sales tax, like point of sales tax. They also generate daytime employment. They also generate primary employment for our citizens, so our citizens don't have to drive all the way to the energy corridor or to downtown. So if you bring in high-quality commercial businesses, they help with tax base, tax revenue, primary jobs, and then offsetting the cost of services in the community. So it's a multiple bang for the buck. That's a really good explanation. <laughs> you certainly don't have an easy job, do you? No. <laughs> but I enjoy working with people like David. They get it. Yeah. All right, David. So next question's for you. <clears throat> Nearly 48% of League City has still yet to be developed, particularly on the west side of town. What is planned or in the works for the western area of League City? Back in about 2005, 2006, there were three large tracts of land that are referred to as the McAllister Tract, the Lloyd Tract, and the Duncan Tract. The owners at the time of those pieces of property, and it amounts to 4,500, 5,000 acres, worked together to come up with an overall master concept plan of how that area would be developed. And that's not all of the land that's left out on the west end, but it's a, it's a pretty significant chunk of, of property. That master plan that was put together included different types of uses from where the schools would go to where the fire and um, fire stations would go the roads water lines sewer lines and obviously houses and commercial development it was in play in 2005 may not seem like all that long ago but it's pretty long time ago in the development world especially if you look at how much the city has grown with the discussions of the grand parkway coming into play now and so a lot of what was shown on that concept plan back in that time is no longer as viable now as it was perceived to be back then and so the makeup as far as the residential components compared to the commercial components was a little more geared towards the residential side of the equation 
And as Scott's been talking about, and, and as we've mentioned before, there is the need from an overall community perspective to see how we can assist and guide in that development to where not only is it more profitable from the city's perspective, but it's, it's more enjoyable and, and more of a, a positive experience for residents not to have to get in their car and drive an hour in each direction or more to wherever they're working. Um, I, I don't think most people enjoy commuting in the car. I mean, uh, true, it, it's a great opportunity to kind of collect your thoughts, both going to work in the morning and coming home in the, the evening, but I, I just don't think, uh, you know, an hour and a half to two hours a day is what most people consider a positive experience. <laughs> That's a lot of thought collecting yes. when you get right down to it. So I don't want to think that much. Yeah, and, you know, and, and after a while, it's you know, your mind probably starts to wander and it's not doing any good anyway. You're not paying attention to driving. But um, the opportunity is there to kind of revisit some of those plans that were out on the West End and see how we might be able to, to redirect that, that growth mode. I mean, we're not going to be Houston. We're not going to have 60, 70, 80-story office buildings. It's not anybody's intent that I'm aware of. I've not talked to anybody who thinks that's a good idea. But I have talked to, to quite a few people who think it would be a good idea to try and create some type of opportunity where people who live here could work here. I, you know, League City, we've, we've touched on it, but League City's got well-educated people. We've got good income people. We've got nice houses. We've got great school districts. I mean, there are so many positive things here that it's not out of the question that companies would think it's a good experience to come here because most of what companies would want for their employees is already here, and including the educated employees. And, mm -hmm. and so there's, there's an opportunity for us at the city to partner, if you will, with the employers to figure out a way to where we can make that happen and, and how to match that. And, and that's what we're looking at for the 48% the of you mentioned. It's not all on the, the west end. There's still areas on the east and the north and the south that, that could be developed and in some instances redeveloped. We've got uses that, you know, are older uses that are probably going to change as, as time goes on. And so certainly the West isn't going to be the only focus, but it just happens to be the big empty focus yeah. right now because there's nothing there. And, and so there's just a real good opportunity. Well, you mentioned bringing businesses into League City. I, I read a st statistic here that 85% of the residents of League City commute outside of League City to work. Scott, is the city doing anything to bring more jobs and, and employers to the area? Yes, and in fact, that information comes from the Texas Workforce Commission. And so, yes, there's a huge migration outside the city limits every day. And so, yes, we'd like to turn that around because if we can bring the quality employers to the community, not only does it cut down the commute patterns for our citizens, but it also increases the daytime employment and it creates that buzz in the community where you have branding recognition, if you will, because you've got a company in your community. And of course, it also brings in the tax base 
um, and also brings in the point of sale for some of these businesses. So yes, we're going after what we call primary employers, which are, you know, good jobs, high paying jobs and so forth. So we're, we understand that within a 45 minute drive of Leak City, we have 900,000 people in five different industry categories, aerospace, medical and life sciences, petrochemical, professional services, and we're talking about professional services, talking about engineering, uh, insurance, uh, financial, things like that, accounting. And then the fifth one is maritime and logistics. Mm -hmm. So the idea is if we have 900,000 or a million people within a 45-minute drive time of League City, then why can't, like David said, if those employees are here, then that would be a huge benefit for a primary employer to come into the community because we've got the buzz factor, we've got the great schools and mm -hmm. parks, we've got the great homes, but we've also got the workforce. Right. And a lot of times primary employers are now going where the workforce resides. So um, the rest of the answer to your question, we're updating our brochure, updating our profile, community profile, we're updating our website. In fact, we just got a new website a few months ago. We're still yes. um, enlarging it and adding bells and whistles. We have a consultant that gives us, they've given us to date about 300 leads on companies that are in a position to relocate or expand and they're nationwide, these uh, contacts. And so we're going through those contacts and it's just old fashioned business prospecting, knocking on the door, sending them a letter, trying to woo them to the community. And then last but not least is brokers, we say site location consultants, we network and try to find projects that are in the area and, and compete for their business and to bring them to League City. Nice. Uh, one of those companies we have now, I believe, is Enios. That's right. We're very excited to have them there, and they're very active in the chamber as well. So more companies like that you'd exactly. like to see come here? That's right. That's right. Because the primary employers in the community right now are Clear Creek ISD, mm -hmm. um, the city of League City. Um, then it's American National Insurance Company. Mm -hmm. It's Enios, uh, Devro. And so the idea is we'd like to get more quality primary employers like, um, well, UTMB, Enios, yeah. Anico, those, yes. And exactly. we're seeing a lot of uh, medical, UTMB, right, MD Anderson, right. um, Memorial Herman. Fantastic. So that, that's absolutely. good for the city as well? Absolutely. <laughs> you bet. All right. Those medical life sciences jobs are invaluable. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we actually you know, put out to the listeners that you two are going to be on the show today and gave them the opportunity to submit some questions that they would like to ask from a resident's perspective. Okay. So we're going to get to that when we get back. And also, I know that you guys are going to be able to share with us some new businesses coming to League City. So we're very excited about that. And uh, we'll talk more about that when we come back on League City Live. All right, welcome back to League City Live, and with me still is Mr. David Hoover, Director of Planning for the City of League City, and Scott Livingston, Director of Economic Development for the City of League City. Thank you so much for joining me today, gentlemen. Sure. It's been wonderful talking with you. Um, like I said before the break, we um, announced that you two are coming on the show today, and we gave our listeners the opportunities to submit some questions that they would like to ask from a resident's point of view. Okay. So, if y'all are ready, we'll just jump right into those. Sure. All right, let's see. This one is probably going to be for Scott. Why does there seem to be such an apparent emphasis on retail, entertainment, and tourism instead of corporate or light industrial with their far more stable and better paying jobs? Yeah, and that's a great question. In fact, I'll kind of start working the the um, answer backwards. That's one of the reasons we developed the economic development investment policy 
is because in order to go out and attract those companies, we need to have a basis for which to make investments or people say offer incentives, but we say make an investment that guarantees a particular rate of return for the community. And so again, it took over a year to develop that. Um, but the easier answer to that question is that, and I think you've heard David allude to it earlier, a lot of times communities will evolve. And so largely, um, League City has largely been a bedroom community for the last 20, 30, 40 years. And with that mass, if you will, that population, we've been able to attract, you know, some nice restaurants and retail. And it's been coming because it's attracted to the population. And so we're in kind of the evolutionary stage where, we, you know, we got a big Kroger. We got, you know, Jimmy Chungas and Abuelos and things like that. And so there are still some things we need, like a, a cinema and so forth. There's some other things we need, like more family-oriented entertainment. And so we're pursuing those activities. But without a doubt, David and I and Bo and um, the city council and John Baumgartner were all very well aware of the fact that we need to get more quality primary employers, commercial tax base, for the sustainability of the community moving forward. So that definitely is on the forefront of our minds. I just realized we don't have a cinema, do we? We don't. We have to go to Webster. It. That's right. That's right. Believe me, it definitely is on my, on my, on my list. <laughs> when you said that, it sparked my That's mind. It. It's like we don't have a cinema. We don't. <laughs> yeah, and, and if you think about it, there's a lot of, of pieces to the puzzle that are missing. And, and it, it, it is definitely a growth curve. It's, it, it's an evolution that occurs when communities grow. And it starts with the residents and the households and the rooftops, as it's called in the, the, the commercial development world. That's what draws in the initial rounds of retail. And that first rounds of retail will kind of give way to more evolved and, and more I don't know if you'd call it sophisticated or or the word that you want to use. It just means that that the retail is a little higher end, maybe, and and supplies more than than what the limited retail did at the beginning. I mean, you see it. It goes from retail strip center, single freestanding stores, to strip centers, to what we call power centers, where the Cabela's is, and 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 other. Um, activities like that and then it starts to grow into the the regional centers and and that's our next step and it, it just it's a combination of attracting the office environment that goes with it we call that the sustainable piece of the puzzle right now we've got the support pieces of the puzzle that have been driven by the the residential and it uh, that's just the way it grows. I, I mean, you can have a little bit of influence on it as a community with, with um, different corporate relocations, and it just it's all dependent upon how you're structured. You know, our structure is such that we know we're a good place, <laughs> and it's just a matter of time before other people figure that out. It, it, it's amazing how many people do not know where League City is. I, I mean, in I, the state of Texas, it's just incredible. It is it's incredible. like, how can you not know where League City is? But it's true. I hear it all the time. That's right. And, mm -hmm. and so if, if that is a common occurrence, then it's also pretty common occurrence that the companies who hire exactly. the employees don't know where League City is. And that's where it's incumbent upon us to fix that put it on the map that's exactly right i've heard uh, league city is that you can't see my quotes <laughs> small a small town you can drive through to get to the kima boardwalk 
Yeah. Or, or yeah, it is really, but yeah, it's exactly. incredible. We're trying to fix that. <laughs> I know, I know you are. Yeah. Um, let's talk about incentives for businesses to come here. Another question, um, maybe this is for you as well, Scott. There always seems to be big incentives for big developers and big businesses to come. Do you have anything specific as far as incentives for smaller businesses? So what I'd like to do is refer people to our economic development investment policy. They can contact my office and we'll email it to them and so forth. Eventually we'll put it on our website. And we're not trying to hide it, but this is the way it works. Economic development is a very competitive game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 20 years ago, it was less likely for people to, to ask for an incentive, quote, unquote. Um, they, you know, asked for it if they, only if they had to. It was almost a, a, a sense of we're going to do it by ourselves. But this day and age, incentives have got so baked into people's formulas that it's just one of multiple boxes that they feel like they have to check off. And so that means we have to be a lot more robust with respect to our position about giving or making an investment. So for example, we don't call them incentives, we call them investments. Mm -hmm. We have an economic development investment policy that guarantees a particular rate of return provided the city's cost of services. And that way we don't give away too much. We have a guaranteed rate of return. And we make sure that the investment that we give to the to the entity. We make sure it goes into things like the road, the utilities, a commercial building, something they can't take with them if they leave one day and go somewhere else. And so we, we try to talk about investments as opposed to incentives because it really is something that will benefit the community in the long run. Nice. And, and where can um, listeners go to find out that information? Was it on the website? Well, somewhere? they can contact me by email, scott.livingston at leakcitytx.gov. And the reason I say that is uh, we don't have it on our website. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we, we may put it up there. I mean, a lot of the economic development consultants and site location consultants, for example, they require to know what are all the tools in your toolkit? What are all the different types of incentives, state, federal, local, and so forth? So we've got that on the website. But the economic deve development investment policy is a little more close to the vest. In other words, for example, we don't just put it out there for people to ask about it. The idea is, if they if they need it if there's a but for in other words but for the investment by the public they wouldn't be able to do the project that's where we start the conversation what's the gap and then we we um, continue from that point so we don't just flag it out there like like money in the hand waving it around again it's all predicated upon do they have to have it because because our calling card is our community is a quality community great place to live great place to play Beautiful trees, beautiful parks, beautiful schools. That's all you need. We got the workforce. We don't even talk about investments. But if and when it comes up, then we play the other card. So that's why it's, it's not on the website. But it is available. It is a public document. We just don't flag it out there for everybody to see because that's not our initial calling card. It's the assets of the community. Thank you, Scott. So if you're interested in learning more about that, you can contact Scott directly. Yes. Scott.Livingston at LeagueCityTX.gov. That's right. Wonderful. All right, David, this last question from our listener is mm -hmm. for you. Okay. In a city of 105,000, I, I preface that, the question with that, the city seems to be divided on saving the oak trees and keeping League City, city a small town. And the other half seems to want to see it grow and bring new businesses here. How do you keep both parties happy? I, I think that is a normal process of a community that's growing, especially as one that's growing as fast as League City. 
You, know, you started that question with we have 105,000 people. That is not a small town. Mm -hmm. I, you know, we're the largest community in the county. We're one of the largest communities in the state when you actually start working backwards from the population. We're right up in the very top of the list, and we're not in the bottom. Um, and, and so there are already a lot of things that have changed from what people were used to 10, 12, 15 years ago when the population was less than half of, of what we have now. And I believe what people really mean when they say, you know, we need to go or maintain the, the small town atmosphere, they're talking about the qualities that you think of when you think about small town, and that's people that care about each other, people that take care of, of their friends, and they take care of, of the surrounding communities, and they, they, they do what you would expect people to do in a small town environment. And just because there's more people doesn't mean you have to give up those characteristics and that quality of life. That's the intent of what needs to happen as we make this next step and grow it into having the, the companies that are here. And that's why I personally believe that having many smaller companies is better in the long run than having a handful of larger companies because I think the smaller companies will almost predominantly, there's no guarantee, but I think just the, the way it will work out, will have employees who are local, whereas the larger companies are probably going to draw from the area, which mm. doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means it's going to help contribute to more traffic and, and maybe create uh, more of the things that people no longer will consider the small town atmosphere. And so I think we just need to preserve the traits and, and, and the trees. Everybody likes trees. Uh, there's, uh, it comes into discussion occasionally when when you're you're talking about growth and trying to build something, and how do you balance the the uh, necessity to be able to build versus the desire and the want to be able to maintain the heritage and the trees. And I, you know, a hundred year old tree when it's gone, it's gone. You know, just plant a new one and then wait around for a hundred years for the the next one to grow. And so, you want to do what you can. And again, I think that is part of more the attitude and the philosophy of having a great place to live than it is specifically about the tree. I think it's about the character of the community. Wow, that's a great answer, David. Thank you so much. Sure. Um, before we get to that list of new businesses, Scott, real quick, I do want to ask you this last question, uh, tourism. Do mm -hmm. you think that um, League City has the potential to be that tourist attraction, that destination? Yes, and in fact, you know, we, we know about the Butler Longhorn Museum and there's some other great tourism assets in the community. But in general, a lot of people, like you said, kind of complain that League City is the way outsiders see it as a you know a desk a, a place through which you have to travel to get to Kima and Galveston right. and so forth and so we we talk about this league city in those terms as being quote unquote the hole in the donut whether it's fair or not the idea is we want to plug that hole in the donut so that people are coming to us so one of the things is we're partnering with the state of Texas our state legislators and state senator basically supported the passage the approval of legislation about a year ago that allows us to partner with the state of Texas. Some would say the state of Texas is partnering with us, basically on state level of incentives to attract tourism 
destinations, and more specifically talking about a convention center. Mm -hmm. And so we're having a couple of conversations right now, and that would certainly bring more conventions. It'd bring more hospitality events to the community, and again, it would make us a destination. And so that people go to Kima, now they're wanting to go to League City, or mm -hmm. people go to Galveston, they're wanting to also go to League City because we have we have you know additional assets to offer. So yes. we're already a draw. I mean, we know about the South Shore Harbor Resort mm -hmm. and Conference Center, beautiful resort, and it is huge beautiful, attraction. But that's really the only place in League City that can hold. That's right. That you know so many people. So yes, to a convention center, please. Well, that, that, that's right. That's right. So we would not want to compete head to head with right. our current assets. We'd want to complement. Right. So that we have more of an offering for other other events. So hopefully there will be a project about which um, we can talk in a public forum, you know, sometime in August or September. But staff is, is doing our job to do due diligence on this developer and vet the project. But hopefully there will be more information about it in the, in the weeks to come. Excellent. Thank you, Scott. Okay, now the moment that everybody's been waiting for. What can you tell us is coming to League City? What can we get excited about? Okay, so <laughs> just quickly, um, I'm going to go through a list. It's not exhaustive, but just trying to um, give people an idea. So Olympia Grill over at Pinnacle Park is going to be opening up probably in the next couple of months or so. It'll be about 10,000 square feet. Abuelos just opened at Pinnacle Park at 7,600 square feet. There is a future uh, Marriott Fairfield Inn and Suites, about 95 rooms. It'll be at Pinnacle Park. That's been proposed. Uh, of course, you've got Red Wing Shoes, Ice Storm, Beef Jerky Outlet, and Pizza Fire at um, Pinnacle Park. I know at Riverbend, what has been proposed is another, or a 150-room hotel. I know they're talking about upwards of 54,000 square feet of retail, 28,000 square feet of restaurants, 55,000 square feet of office. Again, proposed. Proposed. Yeah, that doesn't mean it's going to happen. That just means that they have a plan and they're trying to work that plan and put that plan together, but still, it's an exciting opportunity. Obviously, the Kroger Marketplace opened recently um, with 26,000 square feet of additional retail, including Pet Supermarket and um, El Dorado Mexican Restaurant, Bows Cafe, Marco Pizza, League City Eye Center. Phase two, of course, is under construction. It's supposed to have Ace Hardware, Dollar Tree, a liquor store, private school, and Banfield Pet Hospital. And then just to round out the list, uh, Red River Barbecue, of course, opened uh, this year. Red River Cantina, supposed mm -hmm. to open in the next two or three months. A Thai River restaurant, you can Google for it. First Watch Restaurant, Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers has opened. King's Beer Garden is supposed to open so in the next couple of months. That'll be on Highway 646. Uh, Salada is supposed to open any week. Jason's Deli is open. Rue House, R-O-U-X is open. Craft 96 Draft House yes. open this year. John Eagle Honda is going to open this year. Slim Chickens is supposed to open this year. And Bon Appetit has opened. Let's see what else. And of course, UTMB. There are $156 million expansions underway with 123,000 um, uh, well, additional 60-bed hospital and then 33,000 square feet of clinical space for diagnostics, oncology, and an academic patient center. And then last but not least, MD Anderson, they're going to open their 190,000 square foot outpatient cancer center this summer, probably by the end of the summer, $134 million build. But again, huge primary employers and a huge asset to our community because of the medical services that they provide and is becoming the nucleus for a new 
medical node in the community. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I know people have been wondering, and now you've got your answers. We are out of time. I appreciate you guys being here so much. Thank you for sharing your insight with us. We appreciate you very much. And we will be back next week with more League City Live. All right. Thanks for having me.